So I just remember at that time wondering, okay, well, I'm stuck in this sandbox called science. How do I find answers beyond the sandbox? What is beyond the sandbox? What exists beyond the sandbox that has been my entire life up to this point? Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Would you mind leaving us a review today by leaving a review and a rating? It helps other people find us, and it would be a huge help. Using your favorite podcast platform, go to our show and leave a rating along with a review. It helps us expand Candid to a wider audience. God is in the details. In fact, discoveries in neuroscience, physics, astronomy, and mathematics point to one creator. Still, most modern scientists would disagree. Why? Is it possible for our worldview to be consistent with both God and modern science? Today's guest is Dr. Michael Gillen. He is an esteemed teacher, author, public speaker, and scientist. He's a best-selling author, Emmy Award-winning journalist, former ABC News science editor, and former physics instructor at Harvard University. Michael had no concern for God until he began to look at world religions, eventually being challenged to read the Bible. What he found particularly in the New Testament, was different from anything else he found in other faiths. Digging deeper, he also found no conflict between science and the Christian faith. In fact, he found science to be on the side of the Christian faith. In this candid conversation, Dr. Gillen helps to pull back the curtain of faith and science by sharing his journey with Christ. Now, on to our candid conversation. Dr. Gillen, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for that generous interview, Jonathan. I'm looking forward <laughs> to our conversation. I always feel like when I get a, an interview like that, I should run for office or yeah, something or something right. like that. You, you don't even <laughs> remember half <laughs> no, these things, right? I know, no, it's like, golly, it's been a lot of lives almost. Stacked but it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, for those who maybe haven't seen you on the news or, or haven't read your articles or, or anything like I that. I basically missed my entire career. Yeah, the, the people who have been under a rock and yeah, yeah. Uh, not familiar <laughs> Living on Mars. You, right, right, exactly. Right. No, 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 just kidding. Give us a little bit about your background. Let's talk about your upbringing. What was that like? Okay, very briefly, I was born in the, uh, really the middle of East LA. We mm. call the Mexican barrios. I'm mostly Mexican, Spanish, Cuban, with a little Austrian thrown in for good measure. <laughs> and uh, really had a dream of becoming a scientist since I was second grade. And I say second grade, but honestly, it's as far back as I can remember. Yeah. And certainly the second grade. And uh, that dream carried me from the barrios of East LA to... UCLA and became a grad student at Cornell where I got a PhD in physics, math, and astronomy, and then went on to Harvard to teach physics there for about eight years. And, and I, I often say that a f- in going from Cornell to Harvard, a funny thing happened to me on the way to Cambridge mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because I had this in- weird kind of encounter looking back on it. It was clearly God's hand, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. And, but it was in Washington, D.C. I stopped mm-hmm briefly to attend a conference there. And that led, I won't get into the details, Mm -hmm. it's in my newest book, but 
that encounter um, led to me being hired by CBS News to be their science. They, they called me the science and technology contributor for the CBS Morning News. Right. Jonathan Katz was the executive producer at the time. And right. so I had this this kind of huge detour, this unexpected thing happened to from me. I was academia. just, yeah I, yeah, I mean, I was just going from Cornell to Harvard to teach. That's all I wanted to be and do. And just boom, out of nowhere, this thing happened. And all of a sudden I'm on national TV. Yeah, and yeah. that led to everything else that you kind of mentioned and much more. I've produced movies and I just, it's been a crazy yeah. life. And for a little kid from East LA, I'm <laughs> sitting here with you. I yeah. mean, uh, just uh, marveling at uh, the kind of life that God has given me. And yeah. I credit him for everything. I didn't at the time, but I do now. So you grew up in a household of faith. Yeah, I grew up Tell in a very strict Spanish-speaking Pentecostal uh, household. My dad was, uh, well, he was a carpenter, okay. um, but he was also a minister. He did, couldn't possibly earn enough money as a minister. <laughs> so he By vocational. Yeah, yeah right. Sure. Yeah, and then my two grandfathers were Pentecostal ministers, Spanish-speaking. I'm named after my paternal grandfather, Dr. Miguel Guillén. My, my last name is pronounced Guillén in Spanish. I just say Dr. G. People call me Dr. G because it's easier. But the, the thing is that, you know, honestly speaking, Jonathan, we were hauled into church many times a week, not yeah. just on Sundays, yeah. but it was all in Spanish. Right. And I, it kind of just flew right over me and my... I, I never owned that faith. So even though I grew up in that environment, my whole mind, body, soul, my everything was into science from wow. as young as I can remember. Yeah. So in the science field, obviously your book is quite a bit about this in yeah. terms of you would naturally went into atheism. Was that out of just, like you said, church was church, science yeah. was science. God didn't really fit into the picture. And yeah. so kind of leave him at the curb kind of thing. So I think the easiest way to understand is that mm. my entire life well, growing up was all about science. Yes. No matter what my sure. environment was doing, yes. no matter what my family was into. It was central focus. Yeah. That was all I cared about. Yeah. You know, and so when I left UCLA to fly to Cornell to begin my graduate studies there, and I landed in Ithaca, New York, I kind of left behind family, friends, and uh, anything that they brought to the game. I suddenly found myself alone in Ithaca, New York, mm. and I just became the person I always was without anybody around me right. pulling me in other directions, right? right? I, so I just gave myself, I surrendered myself completely to my dream of becoming a scientist. And so, yeah, I, I described myself in those years as a scientific monk because I only slept about three hours a day. I spent uh, all the rest of the time, seven days a week in my basement lab of, uh, of the lab of nuclear studies. And I was just uh, in paradise. I had no social life. I didn't care to have any social life. I barely groomed myself. I barely ate. I mean, I literally, my whole life was spent going between my tiny little dorm room and my basement lab. That was my entire life. I, and yeah. I, I just uh, remember feeling like, man, I have arrived. Right. I am living out my dream. Yeah. And later on in life, as I started, you know, my whole journey beyond science, and that's a whole other story. Mm. I started with Hinduism and then yes. Buddhism and then Confucianism and yeah. all the rest of it. And I discovered other worlds beyond mm. science. Mm. That was really the first time that I 
became something other than just 100% 24 karat gold scientific method, monk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. So what was it that sort of the Pandora's box that opened up those avenues and doors? Well, there was a time like in my, between my first and second year of grad studies, mm-hmm. right? I started asking some very pointed questions about origins, the origins of the universe. I, by then I had, you know, spent my entire life studying the universe. So right. it, it's at some point it's inevitable that you have to ask yourself, well, how did this incredible universe come to be? Right. It's a pretty basic question. Sure. And, you know, I, I understood the answers that modern cosmology was offering me, the standard model of cosmology, uh, SMC, as we call it. I was quite familiar with it. I was actually, some of my special interests was heading in that direction. I right. was becoming more and more interested in galaxies and less, less interested in elementary particles. And so I remember just being not satisfied with the answers. Look, I'm at heart an intellectual. And so I feel anything is fair game in terms of my curiosity. I will ask any question that's on my mind. I will demand honest answers. I don't care who it's from, whether it's from science or Christianity or Hinduism. Mm. I don't care. Mm. I'll just ask questions and I yeah. want honest answers. And if I'm not satisfied with the answers, yeah. I'll look elsewhere. Well, I mean, period. that's the true scientific method, right? Yeah, of I mean, course. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. Investigate yeah. until yeah. something comes. Yeah, yeah, until something comes along that seems not only consistent with the evidence, but yeah. that kind of is consistent with your own intuition about yeah. Logic, the universe, yeah. especially yeah. if you spend as much time as I had just immersing yourself in the study of the universe. You acquire a kind of intuition about the universe, how yes. it works. and. Yeah how it doesn't work. So that was a, really the first time I encountered some really serious uh, dissonance between mm. my kind of skeptical, atheistic, scientific worldview mm. up until that point and the questions that I was asking. So I just remember at that time uh, wondering, okay, well, I'm stuck in this sandbox called science. How do I find answers beyond the sandbox? What is beyond the sandbox? What exists beyond the sandbox that has been my entire life up to this point? And the only thing I could remember is that one of my professors, Carl Sagan, who was at that time becoming a very famous astronomer, he yeah. was on The Tonight Show and so yeah. forth. I just happened to be there at, at the time that all that was happening. And I was taking classes from Carl and on extraterrestrial life. And I remember him always yakking about the Vedas, the Vedas this, the Vedas that. Um, he was Jewish, but he was not a believing Jew. And so I didn't know what he meant, but I thought, well, you know, it's worth exploring. I respect Carl. I really admire what he's doing. And uh, and so I went to the library, and it was before the internet, and I found out what is the Vedas. And I discovered it's the, uh, the oldest sacred books of the Hindu religion. Mm. So again, I don't do anything halfway. Whenever I become interested in anything, I just go in full bore, <laughs> hands, feet, everything. Right. I'm yeah. all in. Yeah, and so sure. I... I just explored. I became a Hindu, and I just found it very, very interesting. All these gods and gods of the pantry, gods of the kitchen, gods of the bedroom, you know, and it's it's a really interesting way to look at the universe. And I found it all very, very fascinating. And then I remember getting a a copy of the I Ching from somebody, uh, one of my friends, and I thought, okay, let me try that. So I explored Buddhism and on and on and on. And so that was really the beginning of my kind of Herman Hesse-like journey. I call mm-hmm. it Herman Hesse because I started reading Herman Hesse and, and his mm-hmm. protagonists, you know, he's a Nobel Prize winning novelist and mm-hmm. his protagonists tend to be kind of tormented intellectuals who are looking high and low for a motto to live by in life. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I found it 
kind of interesting from a curiosity point of view, being able to explore all these other worldviews other than the scientific worldview sure. was fascinating. Yeah. I was like yeah. a kid in a candy shop. All new stuff. But yeah. nothing that would still answer my questions. No. So I, I kept being just dissatisfied. And so I just kept searching and searching. And that core question was back to origins. Yeah. How did this universe come to be? And mm. we don't really have time to get in. It was more nuanced than that. Sure, that that's sure, kind of a very sure. simple-minded way to put it. But it, it's <laughs> more complicated because by then I had learned about dark matter and that 27% of the universe is made of dark matter, which is this invisible form of material. We don't even know whether we should even call it matter or whether it's something completely different than matter. Mm. But it's something that's driving the galaxies to spin faster than they should. Mm. It's something we call the virial theorem. And so it was a very complicated question I was asking. It wasn't just, hey, how did the universe come to be? You know, it wasn't that <laughs> sure. elementary. Sure, sure. There was... There was well, a lot nuclear. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of teeth school, to it. There yeah. was a lot of depth to the question, sure, and, and I was taking very seriously the, the standard model of cosmology. But it just, you know, inflation and Big Bang and all this sort of thing, general relativity and quantum mechanics and all the rest of it, and it just wasn't adding up for me. The quantum mm -hmm. vacuum and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was really like, okay, uh, this is not adding up in my intellectual mind. Yes. And if I'm intellectually honest about it, where do I go for answers? Yeah. If the science that I've loved all my life, if this is the best it can do, and it's falling short, it's dropping the ball, where in the world do I go yeah. to find the answers? Yeah. That was the dilemma. That was my dilemma in a nutshell. Mm. And so because I have this unbridled curiosity and because Carl had been talking about the Vedas, boom, that was my entry into this whole new world, which, yeah. of course, is a more spiritual world, right. more, uh, not as a scientific world. But yeah. it was equally fascinating to me. So suddenly I'm like, wow, there's a whole world I haven't explored. And, and then ultimately, very reluctantly, um, this young co-ed challenged me to read the Bible. I wasn't interested at all. My impression was that people who read the Bible and believe the Bible are very hostile to science, which is my mm -hmm. number one love in life. Sure. So no, thank you. Eh. And the other thing is that because I grew up with people talking about the Bible, my own household, right. my own parents, I just didn't think there was anything there. It was not as exotic as Hinduism, Buddhism, yeah, yeah, <laughs> transcendental yeah. meditation, you had Islam. Sat through, uh, yeah, preaching yeah. And it you was thought, like uh, you know, been there, done that. Even though I hadn't really sure. been. Yeah. been there and done that. Yeah. My impression was that there was just nothing mm. interesting there, mm. that a book like that could not possibly, mm. possibly answer the questions, the deep questions I was asking Yeah, when I Wait, took her up on I the I just challenge. want to stop you right there. Yeah. So what did you think the, the scriptures were about? I didn't. Nothing? You don't? No, I didn't have any interest in it. What I mean is, if I were to have asked you at that point when the, this girl sort of introduces the concept to you, would you have said the Bible is just what fictional story? No, I didn't even go that far. No, I didn't go that far. Okay, I didn't even think about it. Okay, I didn't have any hostility towards the idea of God. I didn't have any hostility towards the scriptures. Sure. I just didn't care about it. I okay. just didn't think about it. I didn't think it merited my interest or attention. In one of my books, "Can a Smart Person Believe in God?" I talk about the various denominations of atheism. Right. So I wasn't one of those hostile atheists that are like, ah, God is like stupid. And no, yeah. I didn't yeah. even think about it. Sure. I, I, God wasn't even on my radar. Right. I didn't think about God. Sure. I didn't. I don't know how else to put it to you, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't interest me. I didn't have. Yeah. No, <laughs> I didn't no. have an opinion. I just when she said, hey, I haven't read the Bible. 
if you read it, I'll read it with you. I thought, okay, this is the first pretty girl ever to approach me in life because I had no social life. You finally came out of your basement. Yeah, I finally came out of my basement, literally and figuratively. And so I thought, sure, I'm game. Why not? I've read all these other religions. Well, you know, I'm not really interested at... I guess the easiest way to answer your question is there was nothing I'd ever heard people talking about in the Bible, even my own family, that interested me. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. I know kind of weird to say that, but no, that's no, just no. the truth. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just the way the, it looks. That has to be a satisfactory answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, so then. I was open-minded to everything, I guess. Yeah, maybe yeah. when I think back. I was open to Hinduism. I was open to Buddhism. I was open, I was open to anything that might answer my questions. But when it came to the Bible, because I already had that childhood of familiarity with yeah. people talking about it, it wasn't the shiny new toy that Hinduism and Buddhism was. So I, I thought like, mm, eh, probably not. But hey, yeah. this pretty girl wants me to read it with her. Sure, I'm in. Yeah. Let's go. And then I was shocked. That was a game changer. So what was the, the new confrontational The point? New Testament. The New okay. Testament. Okay. The Old Testament, honestly, for me was interesting, but not so interesting. Um, because to me, and we're going to have to get into some pretty complicated ideas, but Blessings in my curses. book, no, <laughs> in my book, I talk about the difference between logical thinking and translogical thinking. We don't have time to get into it, but what, well, all I can say to you is that when I was reading all through the time that I was reading the old Testament, it was interesting, mm. but it was all very logical. Yeah. So it was like, eh, you know, um, all the other religions I'd read about were also pretty logical, but when I got to the new I found something radically different mm-hmm. and it shocked me. I didn't expect that at all because, because the Old Testament was so kind of predictable and logical. And I was like, okay, well, the New Testament's going to be more of the same. Mm-hmm. And then this character, Jesus, appeared out of nowhere. And suddenly this character is speaking translogically, mm-hmm. behaving translogically, like no other religious figure I'd ever come across in all my explorations of the world religions. Wow. And that really caught my attention because it reminded me of quantum mechanics and that first impression only grew as I read through the, mm. the New Testament. Mm. Mm. So by the time we finished that, it took us two years to read the whole Bible from beginning to end because we had so many questions mm. that... Who did you go to for answers? Nobody. No. We didn't know anybody. You just asked It was just us too. It was wow, just each other. Wow. No, we, we jotted our questions down in a spiral notebook and said, we'll, we'll revisit them. I told Laurel, I said, look, at this rate, you and I have so many questions about this thing. Because we would say, oh, didn't that contradict what we read like last week? And we'd go back. and This oh. became your wife? She became my wife. Yeah. Okay. And, you said the name earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, we ended up dots. marrying her, but that's a whole nother story. But, um, but yeah, no, no, we had nobody. It was just us two, just two little lost souls. And she had been Roman Catholic, but it was the same with her. It didn't sink in. It wasn't her religion. Right. And so I said, Laurel, let's just, so we got a spiral, you know, typical spiral notebook. And we just, I said, write it down. Every time we had a question, write it down. She would say, write it down, write it down. We'd fill that whole notebook. And so at the end of the two years, you know, it, it wasn't like I fell on my knees and said, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm, no, no, I wasn't that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy. I was like, this is really intriguing. Like this, I may be onto something here because right. this is really Some different than any that. other religion that I have immersed myself in that I've mm. taken seriously. And mm. so that really, I guess you would say, initiated years and years and years more of further investigation, further asking tough questions, further mm. demanding honest answers. Mm. Um, being skeptical about everything. 
And it really wasn't until 2000 and maybe I think 2000, I'd have to ask Laurel. She's, she's better at dates than I am. She's got the spiral notebook. Yeah, she's got the spiral (laughs) notebook in her head, but uh, I think it's probably around 2001, 2002, somewhere around in there, early 2000s that I really had an experience. That's when I dropped the other shoe. And I said, Mm. yeah, this is the worldview that absolutely makes the most sense from every perspective that I can bring to it. It not only complements everything I've learned in science, uh, which I still love. It's not something I worship anymore Mm. the way I used to, but I still love it. It's still Mm. a beautiful thing. Mm. It not only complements the Christian worldview, not only complements the scientific worldview beautifully, beautifully. It's just like, wow. It's like putting your hand into a cashmere glove. Mm. It's... um, it resonates with it. It yeah. synergizes with it. Yeah. And to this day, I haven't stopped asking questions. Hey, I, I don't. I just can't. I right. won't until they, you know, God calls me home. Right. But there's nothing yet that has uh, undermined mm. that conviction. Mm. And I'm now mm. more than ever, mm. I can tell anybody anywhere what I believe and why I believe it. It's yeah. rock solid. Rock, rock solid. Mm. So when I go speaking on campuses all over the world, kids ask me questions and I can honestly tell you, uh, and I don't mean this boastfully, it's just honest mm, that mm. every question I ever get, I've asked myself say, years yeah, ago, you, you years. And I've been there, done that. I've uh, worked my way what through a gift, all those though. questions. You know, it is a for gift. these young people who, Oh, for them. You know, well, they're a gift to me because they yeah. keep me honest. Yeah. There might be a time when one of these kids asks me or growing up asks yeah. me a question that stumps me yeah. that I haven't thought about. Sure. But honestly, this has been a lifelong pursuit, and I'm not yeah. 20-something anymore. Right. I've asked myself a lot of questions. Yeah. You know, my middle school math teacher called me Michael Jillian because I asked a Jillian question. So he, <laughs> it was a play on my name, Michael right. Gillian, Michael Jillian. Sure, yeah. And you know what? I'm still that Michael Jillian. Yeah. I still I wake up in the morning, Jonathan, honestly, after mm-hmm. I thank God for allowing me to see another sunrise and thank mm-hmm. God for our many blessings for the life I never dreamed of. Yeah. Because there is a big difference between dreams and destinies, and I talk about that. Um, I'm now living out not just my dream, which was to become a scientist, but I'm living out my destiny. Mm. And it's never been a more exciting time in my life, but I still ask questions. Every minute of every day, I'm constantly Mm. questioning, Mm. questioning, what have I overlooked? Is there anything Mm. I've overlooked? Mm. Is there a fundamental conflict between the Christian worldview and science worldview? Mm. And so far, uh, the answer is no. And actually, every day, it just strengthens. Science makes another discovery, and it only resonates that much more (laughs) with the Christian worldview. That is really the big headline. And so uh, I'm really excited about what I'm doing. Yeah, and I'm excited about talking to you. Yeah. Well, we're grateful. Before you go, I'm just curious. The questions that you get from college campuses or whatever, what are the ones that are really you're seeing with a lot of regularity mm-hmm. um, just in this day and age that may resound with some of our listeners? That Yeah, you know. I think a lot of questions that come to me have to do with, I had one kids at one major university somewhere in the East Coast. He says, Dr. Gillen, he came up to me after the event. I love it. I get to see the kid right in the eye. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they're one-on-one, just him and me or she and me. And I remember this one kid said, Dr. Gillian, do you believe in the whole Bible? And I said, well, let me put it to you this way. There's nothing I've ever read in the Bible 
that conflicts with science mm-hmm. or with anything else I know about the universe. I mm-hmm. said, does that answer your question? And he, he went away satisfied. I remember this one young woman, she was a grad student. She was uh, deaf mute. Mm-hmm. So she came up to me afterwards with her uh, assistant and was so excited about me being there. And she was going into biology, but she was also a Christian and she felt intimidated sure, by sure. Uh, people all around her yeah. who were uh, trying to convince her that there was a conflict between Christianity and science. And you know what? I, I answered her questions. She had some really neat questions. Beautiful young woman. I mean, yeah. and when I say beautiful, I mean, yeah. the spirit yeah. 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 makes me choke up. Mm. Mm. And I mm. said to her, mm. I want to send you a free book. Mm. And uh, so th- this is for me, they are a blessing to me. I hope I'm a blessing to them. I just want to finish up by telling you this. I tell people wherever I go, and I mean it quite sincerely, I am neither an apologist or an evangelist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not there to defend a point of view. Uh, I'm not there to even defend the faith, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. uh, the Christian faith or any other faith. Uh, I'm not even there to defend the truth. Because as Charles Spurgeon once said, truth is like a lion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need defending. Yeah. You just have to let it go right. and it'll defend itself. <laughs> and so when I appear anywhere, mm-hmm. I'm not there to evangelize. I'm not there to convince anybody. I don't have the power to convince anybody. Uh, that's no. that's, a, that's yeah. God's power alone who that's can right. do that, can convert people. Yeah. I'm there merely to share what I have learned mm-hmm. on my long winding journey yes. of asking questions, yes. a jillion questions, yes. demanding honest answers mm. in the hope that it might help them on their journey. And if it does, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't, I, I hope I didn't waste your time, mm. but God mm. be with you. Mm. That's my only purpose. That's what gets me up every morning. Yeah. That's why I'm on your podcast right yeah. now. I just want to share what I've learned on my journey in the hopes that it will help other people mm. in their journeys. Well, Dr. Michael Guillen, Gillen, <laughs> love it. We're so grateful that you've come on Candid Conversations. Quite the candid moment we've had together here, and I'm very grateful for you taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. God bless you, Same to you. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.